You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Driving with Wagbi and hearing his vulnerability about the health of the church and the challenges in leadership really made me feel for him. We went through the same thing in LA. Uh-huh. Uh, for years, discipling was everyone had someone over them. Mm-hmm. But when we're adults and we've been disciples for 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. We don't really have somebody over us, mm-hmm. right? Because God, because God's over us, and and we, we all need um, we all need an older brother to be mm-hmm. our, our, our big brother. Mm-hmm. But like Mike, I I disciple Mike, mm-hmm. on Mike you. and he disciples me. I, we help each other a lot mm-hmm. in the church. What, what we learned in Los Angeles is everyone needs discipling and needs humility towards each other. Mm-hmm. But we cannot lord it over each other. You know, we're not in charge of each other. Apart from Wagi's love and warmth and hospitality, a highlight was the opportunity to go in his home and meet his wife. We invited ourselves over for lunch. We really wanted to see where he lived. This is my home. It was so exciting meeting Wagby's children. 
Tulin and David, they were filled with so much joy and curiosity. Uh, made me think about how each soul that we impact, these families that we impact, uh, it can make a difference in future generations. What an experience to see how our brothers live in Egypt, uh, their sacrifice, their love, the, the warmth even of their family. I loved being with them all. You know, it's a treasure. They're our brothers, and they're in this great fight to raise their family into faith. The next day, when we prepared to leave for the conference, we were supposed to get in a bus, all of us together, uh, Brandon and myself and Mike, but a couple of the brothers mentioned that it'd be better for us to ride in private cars for security concerns. So we all paired up with a different disciple, got in the car, and headed off to the conference in private cars. When we arrived at the conference, it was exhilarating. It was great to see Ken Chow arrive at the conference, give him a big hug, and just see how excited he was to meet the, the disciples from the Middle East and see all the zeal that was going on. We knew it was going to be an incredible time, and it turned out being better than we thought. It was just an energy and an excitement. and It was great to see John from Beirut and connect with him, share some stories, and just be excited that as a family we're here to build each other's faith and to really trust that God is able, which was the theme of the conference. God is able to do great things, even amidst all the tension and turmoil in this country. The next day we left for Amman, Jordan, where we're going to set up the campus plan for 2018 and it was a treat to travel through the airport with Mike. He is a unique and special man. All the work he does and how comfortable he is and serious he is about what he's doing in the Middle East. You know when we arrived at the customs department we saw Libby arrive simultaneously. She saw us right in the line and Mike was coming over with our visas that he just purchased and you know big smiles and big hugs. It was a, a breath of fresh air to just have a piece of home meeting us in Amman, Jordan. You know, the churches in the Middle East, Jordan, Beirut, Egypt, uh, all the other churches, so many, they need us. They need our emotional support, our spiritual support, and absolutely our financial support. Uh, what we do makes a difference, and it moves hearts, it connects people with the cross, and that's our dream, that's all of our passion. Great to be together with everybody here on the west side. Um, it's a treasure actually to be here as uh, the west side is our home. Uh, Carrie and I were both baptized in Manhattan Beach. Uh, 1990 I was baptized in 1992 I baptized Carrie uh, right there on Rosecrans and the ocean and uh, it was an awesome time. It's great to see everybody here. There's so many uh, dear friends uh, and partners in the faith. Um, you guys really are partners. This is, you know, this is where we began our faith uh, journey and our story. It, it's great to be together and see all the good, good things that are going on. What a, what a privilege to work side by side with uh, West LA uh, and the South Bay Church or West Side Church and the South Bay Church. The Coastal LA Ministry, you guys are treasures. Uh, you're partners of the Inland Empire in our work in the Middle East. I want to go to God in prayer right now to really set our heart for our lesson, and maybe it's got to go down since I got this going on, uh, and let's pray and get our hearts set to really be ready for the idea of missions. Father in heaven, thank you so much 
for this opportunity to be here now. Father, thank you so much for just the privilege of serving your kingdom, not just here in Los Angeles, but all over the world. Father, I pray right now that you would move in the hearts of every one of us, that we would understand your will. Father, we pray that uh, you will work in a powerful way in the Middle East. Father, we pray that you will work in a powerful way on the West Side. And God, we pray that you will fill us with your spirit to give, to sacrifice, and to also receive your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Yes. Okay. I'm good. I can preach right here from the, the front. Listen, you guys are privileged. You've got some incredible staff here. You've got people that are heroes. And like Ken shared, I remember being a young intern serving the campus in L.A. when we were like, I didn't know much, man. I just know Jesus died for me, and I want to serve him. And they threw us out on the campus, and, and Ken was down in Orange County. I was, uh, down, I was in Long Beach at the time. What an exciting time to be 25 years later. And, of course, the Spass were heroes, and my fellow Bruin. I love being with the Bruins, right? I love UCLA. Todd and Tanya are awesome, and I'm just so grateful to see them back. Um, of course, Kenny serving in the ministry, a UCLA grad, love that. And we loved Chaz and Olivia, of course, I've always loved them, but the fact that they're serving at Pepperdine and UCLA uh, warms my heart. And uh, Bruins, uh, you guys are very, very crucial to the LA church. Uh, thank you, Westside, for supporting that ministry. Uh, I love my alma mater. I, I want their football team to be better, but more than that, and I think we're going to be, but I, I, I want to see God's presence felt on that campus in powerful ways. Amen. Of course, the South Bay Church, uh, Carrie and I served there. Like I said, we were, we were baptized uh, in, in Manhattan Beach, lived there for such a long time, um, served at the time. They called it the sports and entertainment ministry uh, that we served in. How many of us were from that ministry? Okay, come on, Jerry. And that's awesome. The Spradlin family. Uh, so, and, and Owen, I saw Owen here, right? Owen on our basketball team. Yeah, we, we used to win that title. That was an awesome. We got to get that thing going again, huh? <laughs> but um, clearly, you guys are privileged. You have the, the Craigs serving, what heroes in the church they are. I right? love them so much. And I, I don't know the Steebergs really, but I, I keep hearing about them from the Marichis. They rave and rave about their heart and their service and their leadership. Amen. And, um, of course, Gina Stickley is serving, and she's one of my wife's favorite people. All her creativity and energy and all the Women's Day events they pull off. Uh, and, and the Peckmans are, are just uh, incredible youth and family. And what a, what a great thing to partner with Dustin in our master's degree program. And, man, he, he's a great student. What a, what a great servant both of them are. And then, of course, Steve and Jackie, what heroes in the faith. Uh, homegrown in L.A. And... Uh, it's just great to partner with you guys and serve side by side, and we really love you. Uh, you are privileged here on the uh, Coastal LA Ministries, a privileged ministry. But more than just the fact that we get to serve here, uh, is we serve worldwide. We make a difference all over the world, and that's what I want to talk about today. The mission of God is about giving and receiving. It's more than just what we do locally. It's something we do all around the world. And the very nature of God speaks to this message of giving and receiving. I want you to read a verse. John 17 verse 1 says, After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. 
glorify your son that your son may glorify you. And what we find is that the very nature of God is the nature of giving and receiving because it's in his nature to be more than just, we understand he's not a monad, what God is a trinity. And a, a word we learn in our program, which has been very powerful, is this word perichoresis. It's a Greek word to define the nature of God. And, and remember, the scriptures teach you were made in his image. And his image is such that there is a giving and receiving. Father glorifying the Son. Son glorifying the Father. The Spirit glorifying the Son. Each sending, the Father sending the Son, the Son sending the Spirit, and the Spirit sending you. It is in our nature to be about mission, to be a part of the mission. Uh, that picture, one of the pictures there is a famous one uh, from the 15th century, uh, Rublev's painting of the Trinity, each one bowing their head to each other, each one holding a staff, demonstrating total submission to one another, and yet at the same time, total authority. And that nature of God, the Trinitarian nature of God, really is the beginning of world missions. And it is inside each one of you. And so the title of my lesson today is Giving and Receiving because it flows out of the nature of God. Now, when we think about giving and receiving, we all like receiving stuff. I like getting big gifts. I like enjoying things. But Jesus tells us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, interestingly here, I want you to get this. He says it's more blessed to give than receive. However, it's also blessed to receive. It's okay to get stuff, right? It's okay to enjoy being given to. And certainly, when we're given to, we feel a sense of, wow, this is awesome. We all like being held up. I'm sure the staff like me encouraging them. And this is the ministry here. I want to encourage you today. But you are more blessed. It's even better when you give to other people. That's God's plan. And what we're going to do today is study a little bit about giving and receiving. And we're going to look at the book of Philippians. So I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to talk there a little bit about it. The Middle East is a dangerous place right now. As I said in the video when we were over there, it shocked me that every hotel we went into had a metal detector. Uh, there are security concerns. Before the conference this summer, they almost canceled it because there were bombings. Uh, buses were being bombed. They canceled all Christian conferences the month before we went there, before we had our conference. Then the government removed that restriction the month we had it. We were almost going to cancel that conference last year in Egypt. But the Middle East needs us. They need us to be a part of this giving and receiving dynamic. And let me tell you, it's not only about us giving to them. They give to us as well, which I hope you'll see as we go through our study today. Amen? Let's begin to read in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I have three points, three aspects of the giving and receiving that we're each going to experience and I want you to evaluate. Before we read, I do want to highlight, we have almost 20 churches in the Middle East. You, listen, Costa Lake, you have been a primary support since the beginning in the Middle East. You have made a tremendous difference. Keith and Marianne, Keith, I know is on the board of the Middle East, has been a part of the entire time. What heroes they've been, been over there many times, and helping direct 
the work that's gone on in those churches. And let me tell you, all over the world, people are affected by the political dynamics that go on in the Middle East. And we have the privilege of being a part of God's mission to over 600 million people in these countries. And right now we have really, uh, I think, one of the hardest mission fields on the earth. But we have 20 churches, and many of those churches are growing in the Middle East due to the sacrifices of the West LA, Coastal LA Ministries, due to the Inland Empire, and the San Diego churches. Amen. I want to really highlight that and hold you guys up. It's been tremendous work. But there's a long way to go. There's a long way to go, much work to be done, more churches to plant, more disciples to make. And the bottom line is, it is a battle for the souls and the hearts of mankind to reveal God and establish his kingdom. Giving and receiving is the name of the message. So let's go into Philippians chapter 1. I want to read there. My first point is emotional support. Emotional support. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray for you with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Giving and receiving. The nature of God is giving and receiving. And within your nature is the message of giving and receiving. And one of the areas that you got to see, your own spiritual health will be affected by this idea of giving emotional support. Hey, we all know we need emotional support. I need it. You know, we're, we're as a congregation, I love seeing our teens in campus, but we're also getting older as a congregation. Uh, you know, like Ken said, 25 years we've been, I and mean, we're getting older. We got the young and the old, but where we get old, our bodies don't last. And I don't know about you, but in the Inland Empire, we've had quite a, a few number of our congregation pass away, enter into that place of rest, waiting for eternity with God. And we've had that happen, and, and it's hard. Uh, just this past week, a, a dear couple in the Inland Empire, the Irams, uh, incredible couple, converted in Manila. All, all their children became disciples. Uh, their father, uh, Renee, passed away, passed on into the presence of God on Monday. And I was greatly encouraged by the church, recognizing how much support. I know Carrie and I wanted to bring them dinner, but we were booked all the way out to mid-May before we could even bring them anything because every other disciple was bringing them stuff. And I was like, that's the kind of a support the church needs to provide. How are you doing at giving emotional support to one another? I know, I know for me, I know I need it. We all need the emotional support because we go, we go up and we go down. Our emotions are up and down. We're emotional creatures. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not that great at giving emotional support sometimes. 
And I was thinking about it, and I'd, I'd read some, some, uh, some book, I can't remember which one it was, about this idea of being, having a disassociative emotional con- uh, state. And I, th- I started reading about how I grew up with an alcoholic mom. And I think to just have a sense of security and peace, you learn to disassociate from the pain and sort of just protect yourself. And we're all a little bit messed up emotionally. We're all in need of each other, and we all have dysfunction. So I learned sometimes for me to give support, I I don't need to say anything. I just need to stand next to you or just sit there and just look at you. And I certainly learned that with my wife, emotional support a lot of times involved being even willing to fight with her a little bit, being willing to show I cared enough to not just quit. You know, husbands, we want to sometimes quit. We get into an argument and, and we get mad that they're mad at us. Why are you mad at me? I'm mad now that you're mad at me. And that happens all the time. What we don't realize is they're mad at us because we were foolish, we were selfish, we were inconsiderate like three hours earlier or all day the day before, and so they're a little irritable. And then we're mad that they're mad. And what, what we want to do a lot of times is check out emotion, forget you, and just go in our cave. And I've learned that doesn't work. You got you to be willing to engage. You got to be willing to fight a little bit emotionally. And the same thing is the case with the mission. They don't only need our money. They do need it, though. We've got these 20 churches. We've got to build them. We've got to support them right here. We've got millions to evangelize right here in, in the west side of Los Angeles. But it's more than financial support. There is an emotional component that's needed that we need to give, and certainly also then we receive. I want you to hear an audio right now of a phone call that last month Mufid made a call to Libby Rock trying to get a hold of us because there was an attack in Syria and one of the military groups in Syria overran the town where our church in Syria was and they took everything and our people had to go out to the desert and they eventually made it to a refugee camp which is where they are right now. This is our disciples in our church in Syria. Listen to this phone call from, from Mufid. Can we cue that audio? Hey, Libby, I sent an email for Mike and Guillermo and Keith informing them the city has fallen and they have to leave. Part of the disciples stayed and part left. The leader and his family left. They are now in uh, camps trying to find a shelter for them and another city to live in. The church was, uh, they stole the church and the house and they burned everything. They burned even the church. Hey, Libby, I sent an email for Mike and Guillermo and Keith informing them. That's the same The city has fallen and they have to leave. Part of the disciples stayed and part left. The leader and his family left. They are now... Did you hear that? They burned everything. They took everything. Is there a need for financial support? Is world missions a part of what we do? Yes, but there's so much more to it. They need our emotional support. They need to know we care. Mufid was feeling, he's calling, he wants, he wants to know that there's other people, that we here in L.A. are connected to them. When we give emotional support, we receive emotional support. Amen. Point number two. We need to give spiritual support. Let's keep reading as... Interestingly, I want you to see here in Philippians chapter 1, 
The Apostle Paul, this is one of the prison epistles, he's in jail. He's confined. And yet he wants to give. Now, Epaphroditus had come and given to him, and he wants to give back. What can he do? He's in jail. Well, he can write the letter of Philippians, which is now one of the most impacting messages known to mankind. It's more blessed to give than receive. Let's begin reading in Philippians chapter 1. I want to pick up in verse... Let's pick up in verse 12. Hold on a second here. Let's go down to verse, um, verse 12, which I don't have for some reason listed right there. But scroll down on your phones if you don't have your Bible handy. All right? And Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, we hear the Apostle Paul talking about the impact that is made. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Oops, I'm sorry, that's chapter 2. Sorry, I meant chapter 1. My bad. I knew that wasn't right. Hang in there. Verse 12. Okay, chapter 1. That's what I wanted. Chapter 1. I was wrong. Philippians 1, verse 12. says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And, I, and because of this, I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Spiritual support, we all need it. It's a long journey you are on spiritually. The goal is not to just get baptized, though that is a glorious time. It's to die faithful. It's to enter into eternity. And it's to bring as many as we can. And while we are here, to present the message of God, fruitful labor. 
Spiritual support is needed. I know you need it. I need it. And they absolutely need it in the Middle East. All of us need spiritual support. There are several ways we get it. If you notice, the struggle of Paul being in jail inspired the brothers to be confident. There was, a, there was an energy that came from his faith. Your faith provides energy and faith to other people. You standing strong through turmoil and sickness and hard times and being faithful to Jesus. And seeing some of you that I've known for 25 years being faithful builds my faith. Don't underestimate how our faith strengthens the faith of others. Certainly evangelism is needed. Prayers are needed. I wanted to have Carrie come up and share a little bit about how uh, the spiritual support, how faith is being built in the Middle East. Yeah, I'm very thankful to be able to share with you. And I'm, you know, the point that Steve made, it's so amazing to be here with so many of familiar faces. I'm not going to say old friends because, you know, we're all getting older. <laughs> um, but, you know, like watching these amazing women right here, Tiffany and Lupita and Danielle, they were young college students when I met them. Uh, Lupita was actually a teenager, but to see them grown women strong in the faith is so, so faith-building to me. Um, I super appreciate the passage in Philippians uh, 1, specifically in verse 12 and 14. Paul is sharing that his imprisonment served to advance the gospel because most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And as an American woman growing up in the you know, privilege of freedom here in the US, it's easy to become confident in myself. And completely unaware of the hardships and the challenges that our brothers and sisters face in the Middle East. Um, don't get me wrong, I know we all have our struggles. We have pain, we have suffering right here uh, in America, I don't want us to think that that is not the case. Um, but, you know, geography may separate us. But the hearts of people are the same. They're universal. And uh, they're definitely in need of being confident in the Lord and daring to proclaim the gospel without fear. And really, I'm reminded of the church in Egypt, and I'm so grateful you got to see that video. Um, I didn't get to go this last summer, mostly because of the unrest and the concern uh, for me to go, number one, but also just some family concerns with my daughter at the time. And so it was decided that I didn't go. Um, but it was amazing because this was the first conference that the church in Egypt got to host in 12 years. And mostly because of the dangers, and then several of the ministers that uh, serve in the Middle East could not go to Egypt. They were not permitted by the country. And so it really hindered their ability to host the conference because, you know, if you can't get into the country, you can't go to the conference. Um, so it was really historic this last summer to be able to have it there and host it. Um, and the church in Egypt really had been going through some challenges. The leadership was uh, shaky, the overall health of the church had weakened, and so much so that they were very concerned, the leadership was concerned that they could possibly lose the church. And the membership went from 130 to 70 members. 
um, most of the influential and strongest leaders left the fellowship. They became critical and made it very difficult to unify the church. And so, again, it was so historic to be able to have the conference there. And about a month prior to the conference occurring, Jesse and Mufid, who you heard his voice, um, they lead our church in Beirut, Lebanon. And they had traveled over there and began really trying to strengthen the church, brought first principles, reiterating just some basic foundational convictions, which really helped once all of the other leaders from the other churches in the Middle East joined together, and Steve and Mike and several of the other um, brothers got to go, um, when they pulled together, they realized they had to help reestablish the leadership in the church in Egypt. And uh, it wasn't very easy. <laughs> it wasn't an easy answer. After much discussion and prayer, they asked Jesse and Mufid to leave their home in Beirut with two teenagers and begin leading the church in Egypt. And they really struggled to make that decision. But once they decided, they were all in. And their hearts were so eager to go. Um, Jesse and the kids moved, and Mufid was waiting, actually, for permission from the country to be able to be in there. And the interesting thing is, in Egypt, they don't like any outside ministers coming in. And so, sure enough, Jesse and the kids got uh, permission to stay in the country while Mufid was denied. And there was a time where we didn't even know where Mufid was. And uh, it, it's just, it's, a, it's such a different way of life that we cannot comprehend. Um, so, the amazing thing is, with Jesse and Mufid there, um, bec okay, let me, let me back up. He was able to go and be there, but he wasn't able to get permission to stay, so he had to leave. So while they were there, though, they had really been building a lot of spiritual momentum, and about 25 of those people who left the fellowship were restored to the fellowship. It's amazing. Now, we do believe without question that God uses times like this to raise up, like it says, to help the others be confident in the Lord and dare to proclaim the gospel even more. So the amazing thing is there's a couple in Beirut, Lebanon, that raised up to lead the church there in preparation for Jesse and Mufid to leave. Um, we don't have all the answers now for uh, the Egyptian church. Um, they definitely need our spiritual support. They need our prayers. That's what we can do. We can really implore God and ask him to help solve this concern because right now the Egyptian church is in the same spot. They don't have a leader. Um, they have people who desire to help them, and I think they're on their way um, to getting spiritually strong, but we can absolutely pray for them. Um, you know, I don't get to travel to the Middle East as much as the rocks get to or even as much as my husband gets to, but what I can do is I can pray for them. And uh, it was amazing because he, uh, when he was there this last time, he did a, um, a marriage lesson that I was supposed to do with him. <laughs> and obviously I wasn't there, so that was going to make it a little difficult. But thanks to technology, I was able to share some things, and they were able to show that um, to help partner with Steve's lesson. Um, so there are things that, you know, I may physically not be able to do that you may physically not be able to do, but what you can do is so, so needed. And please don't let geography separate you from giving to the Middle East and actually receiving spiritually what God intends for you. Amen.
I also want to highlight that this summer, uh, a really historic thing is going on. A number of college students in the LA campuses are self-supporting uh, themselves to get out to the Middle East. And there's going to be about 15 students that are, they've raised money, and they're, they're going to fly out for the conference. I also heard there's some singles in the, in the West Side or South Bay that want to go, and want them to know that the conference is going to be in the middle of July. I'm going to give more details to, to, uh, to Ken and Steve. But yes, any of you, you've you got to hear some. You're the primary supporters of these churches. And it can't only be financial, although financially you have come through. If you want to help spiritually and emotionally, you can fly out there. I mean, it, it, it's, it's doable, and the churches will welcome you there, and the churches will, will want, want to host you. We have a building in Amman, Jordan. They have church every, every week, right? You can go to church there. You can see that part of the world. Now, Jordan's uh, security-wise is, is safer, all right? It's a safer area. Egypt, not so much, all right? For, for Americans, not so much. I was walking through McDonald's, uh, I was walking through a mall in Egypt this summer, and um, I was with Brandon Bell. And we noticed that everybody was looking at us, and, and we stood out. I mean, this is a beautiful mall, but we stood out, and we were concerned a little bit that we, people could tell, and, and the, there is some security concerns with ISIS uh, in that country. Uh, and there's various countries where that's the case. But in Jordan, it's not as much. In Beirut, it's not as much. And I want to encourage you as disciples, if you want to encourage those churches, save up some money, fly out there, plan to go to one of the su summer conferences. They would love it. Amen? Amen. Uh, I want to close out with my final point, and let's turn to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, financial support. It's world missions time. It's time for our special offering to the world missions families that we're a part of. Don't you love knowing you're more than a part of just a West LA church? You are a part of churches all over the world, and specifically we have been tasked with evangelizing this part of the world. Other churches, you know, as well you guys do, of course, parts of Latin America. But here's the thing. We're hitting the entire world with the message of Jesus, and we have the privilege of doing it in the Middle East. Let's begin reading in Philippians chapter 4, verse 15, as we close out. He says, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. You have come through, Coastal LA. You have come through time and time again. And because of the hearts that, have, that are right here, the sacrifice right here, great things are going on. But I want to challenge you to do it again. We didn't just join some neat and comfortable club when we became disciples, did we? I was working as a stockbroker right here in Century City. And I had co-workers making $500,000 a year. That was in 1990. I had friends that were making a lot of money. But when I became a disciple, I realized I had something much bigger to do with my life than build my career. Right. Come on. I was going to build the kingdom of God on earth. 
I was going to establish the message of God. I get to be a part of something that will last for eternity. You are partners with us, every one of us. I want to close out with a simple story. And it's the story of an old man who comes back to the 20-year anniversary of his church. And at that service, he was recognized because he had become a millionaire. And they asked him to share a little bit about it. And he shared that when he was a young boy, the first dollar he earned on his own, he treasured. And he framed. It's the only dollar he had. But when he was at church that early Sunday, a missionary had come and shared about all the work that that missionary was doing on the foreign mission field. And so the, the young boy gave that first dollar that he had planned to frame and keep as a symbol of what he's going to become. He decided it's more important that I give, and so he gave it. And he was sharing to the congregation, I believe God blessed me because I gave up what was so precious to me, what I'd worked so hard for. I gave it up for God and his kingdom. And I think that's why I'm a millionaire today. He walked off the stage, and another, even older man, comes up to him, and he says, I dare you to do it again. Let's give, and we'll receive. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 